love with those folks, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. We are celebrating today the feast of our holy and God-bearing father, Nicholas, the wonderworker of Myra and, and Indonesia. The church, with her chants and with her, her hymns and spiritual songs, showers praise on all the saints, because all saints are special. And in her chants and in her hymns, the church tells us what is special about each of the saints. And what she tells us about St. Nicholas is truly and wondrously special. And what does she tell us? The church has dedicated one day of the week entirely to St. Nicholas. Thursday, on every Thursday, the church in her hymns of the Octoichos commemorates St. Nicholas. Now this is truly special, because no other saint except the Mother of God and St. John the Baptist have a day, entire day of the week, of every week of the year, dedicated to themselves. All the other saints are commemorated as choirs of saints, like the archangels and angels and thrones and principalities on Monday. And on Wednesday also, the martyrs are commemorated. And on Thursday, with St. Nicholas, the apostles, and so on, but to the saint individually, to each saint individually, it's only to the Mother of God, St. John the Baptist, and St. Nicholas, that the Church has given this honor. She tells us how much she honors St. Nicholas. Because truly, if we read the beautiful vigil, if we read the matins, if we, the, the Vespers and the Vrilsen to the Vespers and the matins, we see how many things St. Nicholas had attained in life, how much virtue, how much grace, how many gifts. The Church calls him to be the rule of faith and to be the teacher of temperance and the protector of the orphans and the widows, not in, this, in the life on this earth, but after his death as well, and to, to be the one who travels with the voyagers and who heals the sick, and on and on and on. He had become all things to all men, St. Nicholas. And that is why the Church praises and, and blesses him so much. But among them, there's one very special thing that the Church say about St. Nicholas, that he was an icon of meekness. Icon of meekness, an image of meekness. And the Church says this about St. Nicholas, not only because we should look up to him as to an icon of meekness that he is, for we look up to the icon to imitate, but also because he became a true image of him who is perfectly meek. He who is Meek, meekness by definition. And who is meek by definition? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For he said, I am imitate me, for I am meek and humble of heart. The church calls St. Nicholas to be image, icon of meekness, because he became a perfect copy of him who is perfectly meek, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And yet, beloved Christians, we see something in the life of St. Nicholas that to our minds which are uh, fallen, which are part of this world, who are badly wired, as it say, seems like a contradiction. Especially in the life of this St. Nicholas who was image and icon of meekness. We find something that seemingly is a contradiction. And what is that? We read in the life of St. Nicholas that this meek and humble and peaceful Nicholas when he went to the Council of Nicaea in 325, that was convoked by St. Constantine, the Emperor, 
to discuss and to see what was happening with the preaching of this man called Arius, who was preaching blasphemies, that our Savior was not true God of true God, was not the only begotten of the Father in the same nature and essence with him. When Arius was given the floor at the council to defend his, his uh, writings, and he came out and started to chant his uh, uh, teachings, for that's what he would do. He had a composition called Dalia, which the, the didn't, thank God, didn't came down to us. When he started to chant the, those blasphemies in the middle of the council, it was this meek and peaceful and humble Saint Nicholas who stood up and gave him such a blow in the face with his palm of his hand that St. Nicholas, that, that, uh, Nicholas is, uh, gave such a blow that Arius had to, uh, uh, quiet, he, he stopped chanting, basically he interrupted the blasphemies that he was saying. And because of that, because he was in the presence of the emperor and nobody dared to use violence in the presence of the emperor and because it was, it is the, the injunction of the apostle Paul not to be a striker by hand and it is against the canons, St. Nicholas was imprisoned was taken to prison straight from, the, from uh, uh, the council. Let us ask ourselves, this action of St. Nicholas, did it contradict his meekness? Was it something that at that time Nicholas was, St. Nicholas was taken over by the passion of anger and wrath and stopped to be meek? Is there a contradiction here? And the answer is, of course not. For St. Nicholas was an imitator, an icon of our Savior in fullness. In fullness. And just as we can say that our Savior, who is meek and humble of heart by definition, our Savior who didn't cry out in the streets as the prophecy says of St. Isaiah and was taken to the shearer as a lamb who opened not his mouth, that same sweet and meek Savior, when he saw blasphemous things being done in the temple in Jerusalem, what did he do? He took, made, a, made a whip out of cords and uh, kicked out all the people, who, all those merchants and, and money changers who were there. Just as we can't say that our Savior was taken over by anger, passion of anger, and stopped being meek at that time, so we can't say that about Nicholas and Nicholas either. For what is it that our Savior, why, what was the motivation of our Savior? It says right there in the Gospels, for the zeal of thy house has eaten me up. That was the fulfillment of the, 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 uh, the this prophecy was fulfilled by our Savior. The zeal for holiness, the zeal for, the, for God, for his truth, for his holiness, made our Savior to throw out those money changes from the, from the house of God, thus to clean both the house and also to bring to their senses those people who were doing such things. There was no anger, there was no wrath as passion taken over our Savior. God forbid that we should think such a thing, but rather zeal for the house of God, zeal for holiness, for truth, in the same way St. Nicholas. He didn't stop being meek when he did what he did, but rather it was the zeal for the truth, the zeal for holiness that he was more, that pushed him to stop this man's blasphemies, both for the people, that they shouldn't hear such things, such contradictions against 
the gospel, such blasphemies against our Savior, and also to bring to senses the person who was doing it. Just as a child that, that cannot be taught by words and he, that he needs to be, to be brought to senses by a little shake-up, so also was St. Nicholas. He was stopping the blasphemies, but also being compassionate at that time. So that the man should stop his blasphemies by being brought to senses. Of course, it, in the end, it didn't help Arius either way. But it shows that St. Nicholas, what was the motivation of St. Nicholas? It was zeal for holiness, no passion of anger. Which is not, and zeal is not a contradiction against meekness. How different this spirit, beloved Christians, is what we many times see in the supposed successors of St. Nicholas, those who claim to be Orthodox bishops of the historical seas. Every time I hear about this uh, incident in the life of our God-bearing Father Nicholas, what comes to mind is something that Arelda used to repeat many times in his sermons, how once, once among many times, there was this convocation, a conference organized by one of those ecumenistic bodies, where there were not only representatives of so-called Christian denominations, but also there were of the uh, Judaism and so forth. And there the floor was, and there were also the supposed uh, uh, prelates, the, uh, the, uh, the bishops of the uh, world Orthodox churches, the, the historical sees. And there the floor was given to this Jewish rabbi <coughs> who started to say blasphemies, blasphemies. The air stank with blasphemies against our Savior, against the Mother of God, and he presented to us what Judaism believes. And what do you think those prelates did at that time? When they heard a man come out and throw insults like mud to our Savior, who most holy, his most holy mother, what did they do? They just sat and smiled at each other. That how peaceful they were, how tolerant. Is this meekness? No, beloved Christians, this is not meekness. This is the kind of meekness that a dead person has. Yes, it doesn't react, doesn't live, move limbs. If you, if you poke it, it won't do anything. Does it mean that a dead, dead person is meek? No, he's dead. And these people, who people, person who can hear blasphemies and have no indignation in his heart, he's not meek, he's spiritually dead. That's the difference between meekness and being dead. And that's why these people, who supposed successors of St. Nicholas, were not meek by hearing blasphemies. And not, nobody was asking them to strike the person like St. Nicholas, but at least to walk out from the place, at least to raise a voice saying that I don't agree with these blasphemies, for these are blasphemies and not the truth. To say that, or at least to walk out and give a sign that you don't agree with these terrible things that are being said. No. With, under the guise of supposed tolerance, they swallowed and gave assent thereby by what uh, this man was, the blasphemies that this man was uttering. How different this is from true meekness. Not being spiritually dead, but spiritually alive. Being meek and the indignation at the untruth. The zeal for the truth never contradicting one's meekness. Just as in St. Nicholas it didn't contradict one to the other. And just as in our Savior, 
His zeal for holiness of the house of God never contradicted his meekness, for he is meek by nature, by definition. This, beloved Christians, is what St. Nicholas teaches today, what brings, among many other things that we heard, that the church has two hands. The church, this hand of strictness, the right hand, and the hand of softness, of agrivia and of economia. And the great bane of, uh, in the 20th century among the Orthodox is inability to use each hand in the right place. For once we use what needs to be treated with acrivia, with strictness, in the things that are need to be treated with softness, we misuse the hand. And once we use the left hand, that needs the, the hand of economia in things that need strictness and sternness and intransigence even, that also is the misuse of that hand. And the great bane, I say, among the Orthodox in the 20th century is that inability to distinguish which hand to, lose, to, to, to use in which case. For the acrivia is used without exceptions in, in matters of faith. There is no the use of economia, of softness in the matters of faith. When it comes to doctrine, when it comes to dogma, when it comes to standing up for the principles that the church teaches, she always uses the right hand. Just as St. Mark of Ephesus said, among, between dawn and uh, uh, the day and night, there is something in between, he says, which is called either dawn or dusk. But among, between truth and and untruth, there is no middle ground. Therefore, the church always uses the hand of Agravia, of exactness. She uses the hand of sternness, of strictness, of intransigence even. And that's where strictness should be used in matters of faith always. But when it comes matters pastoral, when it comes to matters of human weakness, of human failings, not in matters of faith, but in human affairs. The church uses her economia, her softness, her pastoral care. For the point is not of the rules is not to punish a man, but rather lose before the rule to the point of the rules is to bring men to salvation. And when we misuse it, that's when the problems come. For when we apply the hand of strictness to matters human, then we break human beings. Because we are all sinners. We're all soft. We're all weak. Our generation especially. And that is what happens among many who have gone straight to a different kind of, of extremes. Of being applying strictness in matters human. And becoming, being filled with pharisaical zeal, which is that the law was made not for man, but man for the law, right? And yet on the opposite side, we have others who apply the soft, the hand of economia in matters of faith. And that is the other error, the other extreme. So we see that those who, who claim to be orthodox and yet are participants of such terrible, blasphemous gatherings, they justify themselves by this, of economia, of softness, 
and so forth. What economia, when your God is being blasphemed? What softness, what tolerance, when the mother of God is being blasphemed? No such thing. There can be only strictness. Yes or no. Either one agrees or he doesn't. Either it's this or it is not. Therefore, beloved Christians, we see how the church has her two hands and to use them properly is, the, is, is what the church, the church prelate should be doing. And that's what the hierarchs teach us, the holy hierarchs, how to do that. And we see that personified in St. Nicholas. For the same man who was soft and pastoral and caring, meek, image of meekness, in all things human, towards human beings. And he continues to care with his pastoral care for us from, uh, uh, from heavens. That same person was so intransigent, so strict in matters of faith. This, beloved Christians, is what St. Nicholas and all the saints teach us. Let us imitate them. Let us go in their footsteps. Let us look into the wisdom that they taught us of how to be Orthodox Christians, both lay, monastic, priest, bishop, to apply the wisdom of the church, not our own deductions, not our own thoughts, but the wisdom of the church, which shines from her history, from the services, from the lives of saints, from the writings of the, of the saints, to apply them in our own life. And if we do that, then we are going in the footsteps of the saints. And that is the road that will lead us to the heavenly kingdom. Amen.